This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Transfer Show. Joining you every morning at 8 a.m. UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for joining us as always every morning and making this a part of your morning routines. Uh, plenty of you I can see already joining us in the chat box. Fantastic to see you. Good morning, James. Good morning to you, to Afsar Bushmumi. Uh, we've got Lynn Stewart, Mysterious Billionaire, Vivian. We've got Sweating Merlo, uh, which is an interesting name for a YouTube channel. Uh, Wilson, good morning to you, mate. Uh, Martin, I think maybe StreamYard's cut off some names at the top, actually. Uh, he's done that classic thing where it's decided not to give any credit to those that have decided to join us first thing in the morning. I'm scrolling up on YouTube. Yes, indeed. Runs with cows, Rich Carno. Blackshine, um, we've got James, Jose, Tony, Kaiser, Yomi, Olu, Stevie, Matt, and Mark. I don't know why StreamYard does that, or it just wants to give you no credit for being first. <laughs> it's uh, it's fighting against the system, clearly, uh, this morning. Um, first things first, a couple of things to talk about. First of all, of course, I've left in the video description uh, an article to check out this morning, just gone out. He's talking a little bit about the regret that Amari Hutchinson might have having left, of course, Arsenal to move to Chelsea in the hope of getting more uh, minutes, in the hope of getting more regular senior football. And now having seen Chelsea go mad in the market and sign all the players that they have signed, uh, that might indeed prove more difficult than it would have been had he stayed at Arsenal. Um, so yes, Amari Hutchinson, one to read in the chat box. Second piece of admin to tell you about this morning is that uh, a young animator has approached me about producing some short content on the channel. Just taking some of the things that we do uh, with these morning shows and clipping them up into some little short reels uh, for the channel. So uh, give them some support, watch them, leave your comments. Um, if we get good feedback, I want to do more of them. Of course, any updates or any tips or uh, thoughts you have on them always very much appreciated but i don't want to make the work that needs to go into them that big uh, i want to make them as, as short as possible so um yeah let us know the first one is up on the channel let us know what you think of it but uh yeah that's a new bit of content that might be coming through on the channel in the coming weeks months who knows yes we'll have to wait and see um gabriel jesus 
working with the ball now inside. Of course, only doing some small keepy-uppy stuff, uh, which is fantastic. Um, but uh, still waiting for him to get outside and work with the ball. But just seeing him with the ball at his feet is a good and optimistic sign about his future and when he could indeed return to the club. Uh, Arsenal are said to have entered talks internally to discuss who they should now be looking to sign during this transfer window after missing out on Mihailo Mudrik, uh, the Ukrainian international, as we know, that went off to Chelsea, uh, gazumped Arsenal. Um, there were suggestions by David Ornstein that after missing out on both Joao Felix and Mudrik, that they are uh, a little bit concerned and that, of course, they hadn't really thought about too many alternatives uh, in great detail or depth because they were so committed to try and getting Mudrik during this window. Now, I don't want people to assume, therefore, that whoever we sign from this point could be described as a panic buyer. I know it's very easy to think that. I have faith and trust in the uh, in those in recruitment that they've done very, very well indeed when it comes to signing players off the back of being disappointed with other targets. Uh, if you think about it with uh, Gabriel Jesus, we didn't sign Dusan Vlaovic, we got Jesus. In the same window that we didn't sign Lissandro Martinez, we signed Zinchenko. In the same window that we didn't sign Emerson, we signed Takahiro Tomiyasu. Uh, we didn't sign Emi Buendia, and in the same window we signed Martin Odegaard. Ben White as well, I believe there was links to Jules Kunde, as described by James McNicholas as well, during that same window, and we ended up getting Ben White during that transfer window as well. So, Despite the fact that we didn't get the player that we wanted and the priorities that we were going for, both plan A and B, whether or not you put them in the right order as Ralph Felix and Mudrik, there is certainly enough evidence and certainly enough to be positive about to trust that they have indeed the ability to react and sign players to improve the squad as well. Um, now, if you want to look at potential options for that wide area, yesterday we produced a bit of content which covered 30 potential forwards that Arsenal could indeed sign. I went through all 30. We rated them with the help of our live chat box at the time. And if you want to get an idea of how many options there are indeed out there in the market for Arsenal to have a look at, indeed, you can have a look through that video. So go give it a look, give it some feedback and let us know what of the players we looked at you would like to see come in during this January transfer window. Now, Arsenal's uh, previous summer target, Fukundo Torres, has admitted that Arsenal did indeed get in contact with the Orlando City winger. Uh, speaking recently, he said, uh, Orlando confirmed to me that there was contact with Arsenal, but then I left for the World Cup. We will see how it goes. I would love to play in Europe. It's a dream I've had since I was a kid. So, um, there, the, the Uruguayan international, of course, who has been linked with a club. We did talk about him in yesterday's list of 30 players. 22 years of age, scored a fair few goals and got a fair few assists in MLS. However, that step up to the Premier League is quite a significant one. And the idea around Arsenal seeing an immediate impact from him is a difficult one to see indeed. Uh, now, Arsenal have apparently been offered the chance to sign Leandro Trossard from Brighton. The player has, of course, fallen out with Brighton manager Roberto Di Zerbi. Now, I asked people on social media yesterday why Trossard is considered to have a bit of an attitude problem. Continuously, we hear that Trossard has this attitude problem, and yet there's not been too much clarification around why or how that is. His agent claims that he suffered a calf injury which kept him out from training. However, it seems to be that 
De Zerbi didn't feel as though that that was enough of a reason to keep him from training. And his reaction to that and that discussion they had between them caused Trossard to then walk out of training. It's always difficult to kind of get an idea around whether a player has an attitude problem without knowing the full story. And I certainly don't want to come to any kind of conclusion around Trossard and an attitude problem. Um, however, the numbers that are being talked about, £25 million supposedly is what Brighton wants. If you said to me at the end of this window... Trossard or no one, of course, I think it would be important to bring the player in maybe on a short-term contract for, say, £15 million maximum. But uh, I, I just don't think that's a feasible option for Arsenal. And maybe it'd be better to maybe bring back someone like Follerin Balogun instead uh, of signing somebody like Trossard between now and the end of the window, even though they are, of course, different players. Um, Newcastle have said to accelerated their talks for Ivan Fresneda. They've been concerned by the news around Arsenal. The player, of course, is said to favour a move to Arsenal over any of the other clubs that are interested in him. Arsenal, according to the Telegraph, as we told you about yesterday, have indeed said that Arsenal have officially entered the race to try and sign the player. They are interested in him and it could open up an exit, of course, for Cedric Suarez. We'll have to see how this one goes, but Newcastle have always had a long-term interest in the player, are very interested in him being the successor to Kieran Tierney, uh, Kieran Trippier, sorry. I always get those two mixed up. Uh, but Kieran uh, Trippier, of course, is expected to eventually move on with his age and uh, kind of a step in his career that he's at. But uh, Fresneda could indeed still move to Arsenal if the North London club move quickly enough to snap him up for around £15 million. Uh, Moussa Diaby is, however, said now to be one of the main focuses that Arsenal might look to sign. However, according to Matthias Vates, who is, of course, Manuel Vates, sorry, who has been a uh, expert for the channel before on our tactical breakdowns when looking at Bundesliga players, he writes for the athlete, uh, he writes for transfermarkt.com and Forbes too, very much in the know around the Bundesliga. Um, but Manuel Veta said that uh, Moussa Diaby and Leverkusen would indeed cost still over that hundred, well, around that hundred million euro figure. And the clubs around Europe have looked at that Mudrick deal and are now very much saying that if you want the best wingers in the world and we happen to have one, we are going to charge you what Shakhtar got for Mudrick. And to be honest, you can't blame them. Um, who you can blame is Chelsea and Manchester United and a number of other teams for inflating the market and creating silly price tags. But if you are going to enable those clubs to sell those players for that amount of money, then unfortunately that is what is going to happen. And you can't blame Bayer Leverkusen for asking for that same amount of money for a player that is far more established than what Mudrick is. Only a year older, of course, than Mudrick as well and is operating at an even higher level more consistently than Mudrick too. So... The market, as Katana in the chat box says here, is an absolute mess right now. And I could not agree more. Unfortunately, clubs like Chelsea have created this huge problem and they are now selling players everywhere for that 100 million price tag. It's kind of crazy. Um, however, our headline story of the day, as reported by a number of outlets now, and very much seemingly true, is that Arsenal are prioritising Declan Rice as their midfield signing of the summer. Whilst this isn't one, unfortunately, that we could expect to happen during this January transfer window, the club are said to be growingly, conf increasingly confident uh, in signing the West Ham United midfielder. Of course, if Declan Rice was able to move to the club, we know how much quality he's got. We know that he can operate in that number six role. Some have suggested that maybe he could play where Xhaka is. For me, I think I'd prefer to see him play instead of Thomas Partey eventually and kind of, you know, work in that position with him and then overtake him in that position. 
He's a fantastic player that can absolutely give Arsenal the Premier League experience that they need and ultimately the quality that they need as well. It'd be a heavy investment, but if you're at the top of the table, these are the type of investments that we're going to need. And you can be sure that, of course, we'll bring you a tactical breakdown on the player as we get closer to the summer, if indeed we manage to look like we're getting this one done. Uh, That completes part one of today's show. We're going to move to part two and your questions right after this. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, uh, let's jump into the chat box then and tackle some of your questions in part two. Thank you for the kind comments, as always. Um, Chris says, uh, would you then be tempted to put Partey in Jacker's position if Rice was to be signed? I think there is scope for a a little bit of uh, reconfiguring things. I think that you could rotate. I think you can give Xhaka a rest by putting Partey there and Rice in there. There's also an argument for some. I think they would see Rice play where Xhaka is sometimes, maybe play with Partey in that way. There is options. And I think Declan Rice signing gives us lots of quality options, which I would very much be a fan of seeing Arsenal move towards in the next summer transfer window. Um, thank you, Aya, for the donation. Very much appreciate that, uh, as always. Um, and yes, if only Arsenal were as good as them to stop Chelsea spying on who we're looking at, that would be very much helpful. Uh, Mysterious Billionaire says, Tom, how are we going to get a Chelsea fan, Declan Rice, we couldn't get an Arsenal fan in Madrid. Uh, I think with Champions League football, uh, Mysterious Billionaire, I think is the the difference. I think that Uh, We know that Rice really wants to play at that elite level and Chelsea are probably not going to have that next season. They might not even have European football next season, which is a little bit of a scary fact, actually. I think I'd rather Chelsea went into the Europa League and had that distraction. Um, But for Arsenal, they, if and when they reach that Champions League qualification stage by the end of the season, that is how they convince Rice to choose them over Chelsea. That they can, and, and Rice can see that Arsenal's project is going to see them establish themselves at the top of the Premier League table for the long term. And hopefully that he will want to be a part of that journey as well. Um, let's go to Calvi says, Hi, Tom. Is it true that Nottingham have signed Danilo? It is true. Uh, Nottingham Forest have completed the signing of Brazilian midfielder Danilo. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on playing in the Premier League. Uh, Zana says, Do you think that Xhaka could play in the deeper role more successfully of how Zinchenko supports the midfield if, touch wood, Partey was unavailable? Um I'm not sure. I think that you need the mobility still. And I think Xhaka lacks that kind of quick turn and quick acceleration that Partey can give you. And that's what makes him so good. Uh, Xhaka's got all the progressive features and characteristics that you like and need in that kind of position at the deeper base of the midfield. But uh, with with Xhaka playing in that left-sided eight role, I think he's been perfect. 
and I wouldn't be swapping out Partey anytime soon for Xhaka or, you know, I know not choosingly, but even forcefully, I think we would have to bring somebody else. Uh, AJ says, should we bring in uh, Milinkovic-Savic instead? No, I would prefer to see Arsenal sign Declan Rice than Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. Um, Elder says, are we ahead of plans by being top of the table? As I thought the plan was to be top four and then build for the Champions League and then win the league after that. Of course, Elder, we are. However, what I would say is that Edu said in the summer that they aren't thinking about top four. And this is before we even looked like being title challengers, you know, before the season even started. Edu said in the summer, we're not thinking about top four. We're thinking about finishing as high up the table as possible. There was belief before the season started that they could push the top teams in this table. And that has certainly come good. Also, I don't know if you've seen this. I've shared it on my personal, uh, no, on my TGT Twitter account. You can follow that at the Guna Talk TV on Twitter. But there is a video from about two or three years ago. I think two years ago. After we beat Manchester United 1-0, it was the first time we'd won at Manchester United in the league since 2006. And the exchange between Tim Cahill and Roy Keane is very telling, I think, of kind of the dynamic of Arsenal fans at that time compared to where we are now. Tim Cahill talks about the fact that you could see what Arteta is trying to do. And even though they'd lost three games in the season up until that point and would go on to lose significantly more, I think we didn't even win a game for 10 games after that Manchester United win. It was kind of, maybe not 10 games, but a significant number of games we didn't win after we beat Manchester United at Old Trafford. And whilst it was frustrating at the time, and for a lot of people, they couldn't see what Arteta was trying to do. I felt like at the time I could see what Arteta was trying to do. But then when we got to the Villarreal and we got to the Man City 5-0, at that point I was like, what club would keep the coach on after two eighth-place finishes with no European football, with the results and the table showing that it, what it looked like was that we were going backwards, you know, at the time. And that kind of clouded my view. But I think at the time that Cahill spoke about Arteta, there was a lot of Arsenal fans who were where Roy Keane was and probably where Roy Keane still is now. I think he probably stubbornly still believes he's right and wouldn't admit that he was wrong at that time. I hope that he would, but I don't have much faith that he would. But Tim Cahill really explained fantastically well what was lacking from the reasons why Arsenal knew they lost games and that they had to go through that period of suffering and testing and trialing and improving and establishing the style and system and identity that Arteta wanted to establish that was never going to be an easy transition. It was never going to be easy to have players that weren't ultimately going to be at the club either for the long term. And because of that, ultimately, we couldn't, or a lot of people couldn't see that. And so I think that if you haven't had a chance to watch that video Go and watch it. It's an amazing bit of foresight from Tim Cahill of what will actually ultimately end up happening at Arsenal. But really do um, go and watch it. It's definitely worth your time investing it into. Uh, Jay Bennett says, Tom, yes, that video is very good. And there is also one of uh, Jofis Murian uh, when uh, he was at Spurs and says that Arsenal are coming. I think there was also a quote from Jose Mourinho when they beat us in the North London derby. I think it was the game in which we lost 2-1. Lacazette scored that screamer. I think that's the right game. And after that, uh, Jose Mourinho basically turned around and said that Arsenal will be at the top, even though we were 10th, I think, at the time. Maybe it was the 2-0 win, actually. Um, but one of the North London derbies that we lost quite comfortably, and um, I think it therefore was the 2-0. And Jose Mourinho came out after and said, no, Arsenal will come good. Uh, whilst they're not the best now, they will absolutely be come good in the end and that is so proven to be right so there you go uh afsa says rice is not worth 60 million he's average i disagree with you afsa i think rice is very very good indeed and he's actually having to play in a very poor west ham team stand out 
and really try and impress in that side. And he's done that significantly so and been consistent as well. And on an international level as well. Um, Kunjan says, greetings, Tom. Really speaking to my heart here. Do you think we should go for Dominic Zoboslai, a versatile player who can play as a cam on the wing and in the midfield? Super talented and cheap. Um, what are your thoughts? He's not the style of wide player that we need. We've got Smith Rowe, and Smith Rowe has got a lot of similarities to Zoboslai, player that can kind of be an attacking midfielder playing in a wide area. It's the same reason why I'm not that keen on Mohamed Kudus either, because he plays almost exclusively kind of through the middle. Yes, can play in the wide areas and has done, but he's more of an attacking midfielder that can play wide. We need more of an, a typical winger than we do uh, kind of another Smith Rowe style player. We need a proper winger to come in during this window. Um, Nick says, Rice has prime Ramsey energy levels and would be fantastic in our team. Just Vance says we should look to get Ansu Fati on loan. It's not a bad idea getting him on loan for the rest of the season. Amira says, it suddenly dawned on me last night that we're already halfway through the season. Well, we will be after we play Manchester United. Uh, seeing the celebrations at Spurs made me realise that I never want this season uh, to end. I don't know how to feel. Uh, any advice? Um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think that we are in a place this season where it's an element of, it's kind of what have we got to lose by just going for it? You know, yes, you could say, well, the title, that's what we got to lose. But we didn't expect that. You know, we we all thought that, you know, top four, getting Champions League football for next season is is absolutely the absolute minimum expectation. And I think we can all agree that we're probably, touch wood, going to be getting Champions League football next season. We've got nothing to lose in pushing for the title. Absolutely nothing to lose in going for it. So why not go for it? Why not really push in this January window, get the players in that we need, get in a couple of players before the window closes and hopefully be able to um, re not re-establish, reaffirm our squads, reinforce our squads and hope that it's enough to push us over the line between now and May. Um, Marcus says, I know we do not know how much we have, but if 150 million was available, who would you buy now? And it can be one or more players. It's a good question. You know, the winger that I like a lot is Cairo Mitama from Brighton. I would be very interested in seeing him come in. If you can get... Musa Diaby as well for a decent figure. And I'm not talking about 100 million. I'd probably play 70 maximum for Musa Diaby. Um, just because of the situation we're in, we're going to have to pay something like that to get a really top, top winger. Maybe look at seeing what Barcelona would do with Ansu Fati on loan, if they would be open to that, if we can get an obligation or an option to buy in that contract as well. That would be interesting. And then the last one is Wilfred Zaha. If Crystal Palace would be open to selling for... 20-ish million pounds and we can sign him onto an 18-month contract with a one-year option included into it, I would be open to that. And I think it would give you the immediate impact that you need. I have changed my mind on Zaha, mainly because we missed out on Mudrik. And at the time, I would have preferred us to go for Mudrik. But Zaha in the short term, I think, would give us an immediacy that we're looking for right now. And I don't think we can afford to miss out on some reinforcement either. Uh, Asa says, if Xhaka and Rice are playing, where does Rice fit in? This is the thing that we've always talked about. You can't talk about the fact that and question where a player fits in and then also want us to be competing with Manchester City because you're contradicting yourself. If you want us to be up there with Man City, then you need to be okay with us signing players that we then question, well, how are they going to play? Because we've got this player. Look at Man City's team. Every single position has two players that could operate in that role. They had Fernandinho, who was still playing at a very good level. You know, ironically, is at an age where Xhaka and uh, Partey are catching up to him. And they signed Rodrigo. And gradually, Rodrigo, despite starting every week for Atletico Madrid, then had to start establishing himself at Manchester City and push out Fernandinho. 
You know, you look in the wide areas and despite the fact that they've had so many top talents, I mean, you look at Gabriel Jesus, they have brought in Julian Alvarez because they've moved him on. They've brought in Haaland. They've completely overhauled the striker position in their team. And, you know, we look at Gabriel Jesus and be like, how could a team be without him? How could you think him expendable? But if you can bring in a player that's going to take you to that new level and bring in a competitive option, you do it. We need to stop being nostalgic. We need to stop being attached. We need to stop being so... What's the right word? I think we need to be ruthless. And you need to look at trying to bring in players that you have that are going to compete with what we've got. We don't need backups anymore at Arsenal. No more backups. No more. We need competitors. And Rice is certainly a competitor to this Arsenal team. Uh, Leeds Gunner says, I back Edu. Fair play to you, mate, because I'd see some crazy opinions about Edu. I really do. I, I really do. I think the fact that we can say, you know, you know what the most annoying thing, the most annoying opinion I've found is that when people turn around and say, Edu's got Arteta. And so if we'd assigned, uh, if we've signed Gabriel Jesus and we've signed Zinchenko, you know, Edu didn't do those signings. Edu doesn't deserve any credit for those signings. I'm sitting there like, oh my goodness. Like, how do you think, how do you think the deals get done? How do you think we beat off competition from Chelsea? How do you think we beat off competition from other teams for these players? You know, Edu has to negotiate with the other team. Edu has to get the deals done. Edu has to use his contacts to, you know, to get in the the replacements. You think about all the players that, yes, we've not been able to get. Your Vlaovic's, your Buendia's, um, your, uh, your, your Emerson's, ironically, which we now look on rather funnily. Your um, Jules Kunde's, you know, players that we wanted that we couldn't get at the time. Edu's gone out and been able to get us these uh, alternative options that we've now put into this team and sin succeed. And yet you still see, and I'm going to say it as it is, I'm sorry, naive, ignorant people like Saksham here saying that Edu's a clown or Edu doesn't know what he's doing. And you are naive and you are ignorant of what Edu is doing because he's been brilliant. And the reason why we're at the top of the table is because we've built a team that is able to do that. And that is very much down to both Edu and the ownership and Arteta and Richard Garlick and those behind the scenes. And yeah, it's not fashionable. I don't look cool backing Edu. I don't look cool saying that the Cronkies have done well to invest in us in the last five years. It's not cool to be this guy because they're because the Cronkies in particular have been hated for so long by me, by others. I really hated what was happening with the ownership. I'm more in tune. I'm more educated now upon the reasons as to why that happened. And that's why I put... I think my previous position on the owners where it was because I just wasn't educated. I just wasn't clever enough to understand what was going on. Now I feel as though I'm educated enough to understand what was happening. But I'm still, I still don't look cool, you know, for saying that the Cronkies are doing a good job in investing in us. But how could you not? How could you not see where we are right now? How could you see how we've not reacted in the market to missing out on other targets and then bringing in other players that still see us sit at the top of the table, eight points clear? How could you sit there and Kouedu a clown or the ownership clowns or Richard Garlic a clown? How on earth could you sit there legitimately and not feel embarrassed with your team that you supposedly support top of the table and call them clowns? Because I tell you, there's only one person looking at clown if you're doing that. I'm telling you, it's not the people that have put us at the top of the table. That's for sure. Uh, Tim says, what Edu and Arteta have done is immense. They pull young quality talent to the club and it's uh, at their lowest. Just wait till we occupy the top for seasons to come. Uh, just wait until we do that. More players will come knocking at the door. Saksham replying says, Arteta bought Jesus. Edu can't do anything. He should have completed Mudrick deal till the first week of January. Oh, goodness. I, I have to put it down to a lack of understanding. I have to put it down to a lack of knowledge or a rejection 
of open-mindedness to understand the situation. That's that's all I can put it down to. Is is I have to just appreciate that some people are just not going to be able to understand the situation of what's happened. Otherwise, it's going to drive me mad because it's very obvious to me what's gone on. It's very obvious to me, and I'm sure plenty of you watching as well, how we've got to where we are in the league. And it's been a combination of factors. You, we talk about uh, Edu and Jesus, like Arteta got Jesus. Listen to Jesus and his interview about Edu. Listen to his interview where he credits Edu. Listen to where he credits the conversations that he had with Edu. Edu's the one that's talking to the clubs. Edu's the one that's talking to the representatives. Edu's the one that's also selling the project along with Arteta because they are in a unanimous state. They are two people that are on the same page, singing from the same hymn sheet. Not all the time. And they will have disagreements. And Edu absolutely disagreed with Arteta at some stages. He even admitted his difficulty in agreeing with him on the Abamyang situation. You've got to say fair play to Arteta for pushing that through because it's certainly been something that maybe Edu didn't see. Is he perfect? No. He's not perfect. Have we made mistakes in the market? Yes. Should we have done something last January? Yes. If we get to the end of this window and we've not signed anybody, will I be critical of what Edu's not done? Yes. It's not saying that they're perfect. That's not what this is about. But for anyone that's sitting there saying Edu's a clown, Edu should get sacked, Edu's not got anything to do with where we are, you're kidding yourself. You're kidding yourself about where we're at. And I'm sorry, it probably comes from a place where you're uncomfortable admitting that you were wrong about something. Just as Roy Keane looked so silly back then when Tim Cahill told him how important it was what Arsenal were doing, even though they were losing. And where if you were asking him now, if he was wrong back then, I don't think I'm too ill-fated to say that I think he would struggle to say he was wrong back then because I just see a stubborn nature in someone like Roy Keane. And that's where we're at. I don't think Shaq Sam's a troll of the warlock. I, I believe I believe that he views Edu as a bit of a clown and he just can't see what he's done. And for some people, it's difficult to change your mind, especially when you put your, your opinions out there in the public domain. It's really difficult because you look a bit silly when you're wrong. No one likes being wrong. You know, No one enjoys being wrong about something. However, what I do enjoy when I'm wrong about it is when the club are benefiting from it. I was wrong about Arteta in certain circumstances. I was wrong about the Cronkies in certain circumstances. And you know what? I'm bloody buzzing that I was wrong because we sit eight points clear at the top of the table and beyond my wildest dreams where I could be right now. But they're not perfect. And they will make mistakes. And we will criticise them if they make mistakes. Because... That's what we do. We're fans. We can praise. We can criticize. It's how it works. But if you can't admit when someone you've been critical of has done something good or you're just ignoring it and blatantly being naive to it, I can't help you. I just can't. Sorry if that's some hard and tough love. And I'm sorry if you've taken it the wrong way. But it is just where I'm at with Edu. To call him a clown, to call him that he, to say that he needs to be sacked. Even if we don't sign anyone this window, I'll be very critical of him, very critical of the, the entire recruitment team. If we don't sign anybody, I won't ask for him to be sacked because I don't think it's a sackable offence yet. You know, because we've got to where we are because of the work done by them. But we need to consolidate it. We need to react, and I'm sure they're going to be trying to as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing what's going on. Um, Saksham says, I back Arteta, but I do not rate Edu. We're underperforming in transfer windows, losing our main targets every time. Look, if you say you back Arteta, listen to what Arteta said after um, we missed out on Mudrik. He turned around and said that we can only do the deals that we can do, and we can only do the deals that we value a certain player at. You can't, you can't attack the club or Edu 
for not doing what Chelsea are doing. And then at the same time, attack Chelsea and have a go at Chelsea for what they're doing. We can all, well, I'd say 99% of us can all see how stupid Chelsea are acting in the market. You can't then turn things around and have a go at, Chelsea, at, uh, at Edu for not then doing what Chelsea are stupidly doing. It doesn't make any sense. You think about Vlaovic, right? Vlaovic always wanted to go to Juventus. Always wanted to go to Juventus. And even then, Juventus paid a massive amount of money to sign him. Okay? Now, you flip that with the Mudrik situation in this January transfer window. Mudrik wanted to go to Arsenal, right? But the problem is, the difference between Mudrik and Vlaovic is that Vlaovic is on a significant amount of money now at Juventus. We'd agreed a deal with Mudrik at around thirty to £40,000 per week, supposedly. Chelsea have come in and more than doubled his wages that are very incentivized at the same time over a really long period of time. They've really invested in him. They did a whole presentation apparently about the project that they've got and whatever. And Arsenal refused to meet the amount of money that Shakhtar wanted because it's a ludicrous amount of money. And Chelsea were quite happily and quite willingly and quite naively and stupidly willing to chuck 100 million euros at a player like Mudrik. And we weren't. And if you look at Lissandro Martinez, Ajax wanted a silly amount of money for Lissandro Martinez. If anyone thinks that the amount of money Manchester United have paid for Lissandro Martinez is worth it based upon what we've seen this season, I don't know what to tell you because I don't think he's been better than Zinchenko. And Zinchenko cost about 30 million quid. Does Edu get not any praise for that? That we managed to get Zinchenko for about half the price of what Manchester United paid for Lissandro Martinez, who now turns out to look even better. If you look at the Ben White situation, we wanted Jules Kunde. We couldn't get Jules Kunde because he wanted Barcelona. Instead, we went and got um, Ben White, who has been brilliant. And people questioned how much Arsenal and Edu committed to that Ben White deal. And in the end, we look bloody great for doing that deal. Ben White is a massive part of what we did, you know, during that period. So... I just struggle with it. What else I struggle with is the fact that for years and years and years, we all knew that we needed a centre midfielder. We all knew that we needed a centre-back. And it wasn't until Edu and Arteta came together to plan our transfer strategy that we got Thomas Partey in the first summer transfer window that Arteta was in charge, that we got Gabriel Magalhaes in the first transfer window that Arteta and Edu were in charge of transfers. You know, it wasn't until that happened that we started to turn things around. And yes, it, we went backwards before we went forwards. And things, as I've described a number of times, when you're going downhill, you don't suddenly start turning in the opposite direction. You have to break. And whilst you're breaking, you're still going downhill. You're still going downwards. But eventually, once you finish breaking and you put your foot on the accelerator again, thanks to the improvements that you've made to your machine, as we've done in the market, you suddenly start to see an improvement and a progression. And we started turning in the opposite direction thanks to what both Arteta, Edu, the ownership's investment, Richard Garlick's negotiations of contracts, all of the pieces of the machine working together. And also you have to massively, massively praise the communication with the fan base and the improvement of that relationship with the fan base. All of that combined shows you why Arsenal are now top of the table. Yeah, it's really annoying when we miss out on our targets. Really annoying. I hate it. And I had to switch off the on Saturday night because I was just really bugged by the fact that Chelsea had done what they'd done. But I tell you what, I weren't annoyed at Edu. I weren't annoyed at the club. 
because I recognize and could understand why they just did not want to go over their valuation of a player that is just not worth that. And I've seen people that were laughing at Arsenal for nearly going to 90, 100 million for Mudrick and then laughing at Arsenal for missing out on him. I mean, hypocrites much? Anyway, sorry that I've not been able to take many of your questions or comments because I had to get all that stuff out because it's been bugging me. Really bugging me. Um, really do drop a like on the video, subscribe. As I said before, we're hopefully going to be uploading a few shorts to the channel as well. Um, looking forward to seeing your feedback to that. So do go indeed watch it. Um, and uh, and also go tune into our 30 wingers that or forwards that we could possibly sign um, in the transfer window. That's have a worth of, of watching as well. I'll be back tomorrow. Oh, no, yeah, I will be back tomorrow. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow morning, 8am. And of course, tomorrow being Wednesday means the Eat Sleep Arsenal Repeat Podcast is back. I'll be recording with Sophie, Owen and Raj tonight to upload for uh, midday tomorrow. So that's back Um yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what your comments are. I'm looking forward to seeing your feedback on plenty of stuff. And uh, also, you can check out all my written work at football.london. Um, yeah, Man United play tomorrow. That's going to be very interesting how they get on with Crystal Palace before they play us as well. Um, thank you so much. Drop a like. Subscribe on our way to 44,000. Thank you for helping us get to where we are now. Let's push on and try and get some more. We usually get about 1,000 likes on these shows. It'd be great if we can try and hit 1.5 on a show. That'd be amazing. So if you haven't dropped a like on the video yet, please, please, please do. Thank you for listening. I'll see you again very, very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.